Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we are Brothers on Tennis. And folks, oh, we've got such a good interview coming up for you. This is a brother that is, I mean, there is just no no other <laughs> like this brother. <laughs> and uh, he's a great mix. He's my perfect perfect kind of, of, of person, if you will, someone that loves tennis and they love music. Because that's what I live for. And Bryce, I know that you have had tons and tons of interactions with our our guests. So I'll let you go ahead. I'll hand it over to you and allow you to prep our listeners for the brother that we have tonight. Well, you know, I'm just going to be real simple with it, right? I'm, I'm going to just list a few things, just a few things this brother has few. done, right? Um, and, you know, he is one of the celebrity guest DJs out there, you know. When you look at the high-profile parties and, and the big events, you'll see him behind the wheels of steel, you know. Um, you may have seen him on BET. He's been on both Rap City and 106 and Park. Uh, you may have seen him on TV on Fuse TV, the Tennis Channel, ESPN. Um, he's worked with organizations like the Grammys and the Billboard Music Awards and how we came to know him. Well, actually, we, we met him online first, but then we met him when he was the host and DJ for the City Taste of Tennis event in New York at Tavern on the Green this past summer. And we met him there, and it was like meeting a long-lost brother. You guys know who I'm talking about already. We're talking about DJ Madlings. DJ Madlings, welcome to Brothers on Tennis, man. How you doing? I'm doing great after that wonderful intro. I need to take y'all everywhere. <laughs> you are crazy man brother we will come we will be there yes I, I feel like the only thing that's missing right now somebody's supposed to be handing me an award or something <laughs> hey man you know our awards come eventually uh, they come eventually absolutely man well it's, it's great it's an honor it's a privilege to be here with you with you guys here tonight um much appreciative of uh being able to spend some time with you guys two of my favorite people in the world of tennis. Uh, it has to be Bryce and Isaac, man. You guys are amazing. Oh, Thanks, thank man. you, brother. Thank now you, we, thank you, man. Now we feeling like we need to take you around with us. Right? Come on <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody said the brothers just had to be a duo. <laughs> All right. So before we start to get into all the good stuff, you know, we just wanted to check in with you, man. You know, how you doing? How's life? Everything good? You know, you've been staying safe. You know, fill us in. Yeah, you know, I'm very fortunate. I'm very blessed and very thankful. Uh, not just because we're so close to um, Thanksgiving that, that just finished, but uh, just, again, during this type of time that we've all been experiencing to, to still be healthy, to still be able to, to engage and do the type of things that I do, uh, I'm very, very thankful. And uh, you know to be able to be here with uh, like once again brothers on tennis, it's a it's a it's a blessing. Oh, right. Well, we greatly appreciate that, my man. Hey, were you able to get you some turkey though, bro? Because you know you know we ate we ate yeah we ate kind of solid on this. We sure did. I'm get some turkey, bro. I'm actually kind of proud of myself. I didn't I. I Let's put it this way. I didn't OD. I did, but I didn't OD. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> nice, nice. 
Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to make sure that the next time that we, that we get a chance to be at a, at a tennis tournament and uh, on ESPN together, that uh, you know the people see a little bit less of me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, that's what I need to do because right now I would be waddling across the screen. <laughs> so, so I need to tighten that up. <laughs> um, the, the call that I got from ESPN, it, it was like, oh, I'm not sure. Are they going to call? Are they not going to call? And uh, the call did end up coming a, a little bit. Well, for me, um, if I hadn't, let's put it this way. If I had more notice, I would have taken a little bit more care in, in advance. And that would have been my my ultimate in, incentive to, to, to do what I need to be doing the whole time. But now that, that it, it, the, the calls have been coming, and whatnot. I have been actually trying my best. Once again, every occasionally I'll D, but I won't OD. And I, and then and I have to have to have to get on the treadmill for about three days straight after. And I don't mean like three days in a row. I mean like the three days, like no breaks. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Uh, we feel you on that, brother. We feel you and trust us. Yeah, we we got to put in some work as well. But uh, you know, we come into the new year. Twenty twenty two is upon us, and. Uh, I think uh, I think for the three of us, we got some good things going, you know, some good things planned, health wise and otherwise. Well, listen, you guys have had a pretty stellar year. Uh, I have to give it to you. Uh, I, I'm I'm very um, in awe of people who are, are self starters, go getters, people that make things happen for themselves. And what you guys have done just in this year has been very very impressive. So big props and kudos to you guys. Thank you, Thank man. you, brother. You are the best, man. Thank you. Yeah, and shout out to our producer, Chester, for being a taskmaster. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I, I guess all of his guidance is paying off a little bit. Just uh, a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. Get Chester and Moses. He needs us. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, for our listeners, and I'm, you may have pieced this all together, maybe you didn't. Uh, if you follow us online, and especially on Instagram, you'll remember during the U.S. Open, we shot a segment on ESPN, and we were the guest of DJ Matlings. I mean, he he gave us a national platform uh, by including us on his DJ Matlings at the U.S. Open segment, and we got a lot of attention from that. Um, and so we just want to, in front of everybody here, thank you once again for that opportunity. I mean, you really helped put us on with that and you didn't have to do that. And so we, we were very, very appreciative of that opportunity. Hey, well, listen, I just have to say that you guys have, have earned it. You deserved it. Um, I don't want to take all the credit. Uh, I work with an amazing, amazing producer, Sammy, who um, is so open and willing to, to help give people platforms and just create great content that people haven't seen before. And you know, you guys have clearly been doing something that has not been seen or been done before. So the opportunity to give you guys that spotlight and give you guys that shine, uh, it was a it was a pleasure to do. Ah, you're such a good guy. We appreciate you. Appreciate Sammy. Shout out. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so DJ Madlings, I want us to go way back. How far? Way back. I want you to talk <laughs> talk with our listeners, bro. Talk with our listeners and and just give them some some you know give them some history on you on yourself. Where are you from? Like, how'd you get into the game? I mean, and when I'm talking about the game, I'm talking about the music game, the tennis game, any other games that you would want to share with the listeners out there. Let, let, let's start from let's start from start from scratch. Like we making right. a cake. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, originally born in Queens, New York. Uh, home of the U.S. Open, of course. 
Um, my family moved eventually to Florida. So I've, I've always been a bit of a, of a Florida, New York hybrid. And both of those amazing states have been so influential to me and, and of course, music and then tennis as well and have helped kind of be able to, to shape who I became because as uh, Isaac, I know, as you know, especially you know, for music, um, it, there's a, a huge discipline and, it, and when you are involved, it becomes a major driving force of your life. Tennis also being able to do something very similar. And while we're not all on the level of King Richard and uh, Venus and Serena, still <laughs> those things that, that help mold and shape you in regards of whether it's just of the appreciation of it or you know being able to get out and on the court you know for ourselves and it, you don't have to be at that pro level in order to be able to get the exercise get the knowledge and it's and honestly one of the things that i've always encouraged people to do is take advantage of the worlds that that the sport can open up for you because it can be very massive it's international it is cross-cultural it is just so, you know, life altering in, in some cases that uh, I recommend everybody at least give it a give it a go, give it a look. You might end up in a country club and that the person who you might meet may end up being your doctor or your lawyer or just an amazing person just in general and might be, be your friend. But I, I definitely always encourage people to expand those borders. So that was my experience and I was very thankful of it. Um, totally shaped me and, and again, gave me a wider scope of the world, of people, of possibilities, of all these things. Uh, I, I always tell people on paper, there's probably not much reason why DJ Mad Lynx should be a part of the ESPN tennis team. On right. paper. <laughs> on paper. If you were to present that to the, the you know, the president of the program at ESPN, you probably, well, huh, what? Uh, however, because of the my ability to to cross over into these worlds and to do it in a, in a way that that showed that it can make sense, uh, you know, much kind of like King Richard, uh, mm -hmm. the, the film, you know, was a lot of stuff on paper didn't make sense, but right. the end result ended up being something amazing. So uh, for me, I definitely uh, feel where, where that came from. So that all those things helped me along on my journey. And, and fortunately, uh, my love for tennis like yours and all the, all the listeners who you guys have amassed, uh, I think we do all have that in, in common, just our love for the sport and the passion for it. So let me ask you this question. Um, so are you telling us you grew up playing tennis? Were you, uh, did you play in school? Did, you know, what, what's your tennis history? Well, as we all know, tennis can be a very expensive sport. It, it's one that requires a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, Mama Lynx was never one to necessarily be looking to, <laughs> to spend money on things that she didn't really deem uh, that, that made sense. You know, as many of my parents probably do. So there wasn't a lot of video games in my household. There wasn't a lot of things that, that did not make sense to her. So coming and trying to tell her, well, um, these people want you know, uh, you know, 50, 60, $70 an hour. She said an hour to do what? <laughs> <She didn't> even... <laughs> so, so that right. was not going for her. Um, but what I was able to do was, uh, I, I was able to talk her eventually into getting me a recording device and mm. use, utilizing that recording device. I was able to 
teach myself the game by, by watching, by listening to the commentators at the time, watching the players, what made this player's forehand better than this other player's forehand? Why was the one-handed backhand better for this player than, than that player? Why was certain volley tennis better on faster courts than on slower courts? So all these things I ultimately was able to learn by observation, by listening to the commentators who I've always said are the soundtrack of the sport. If you want to learn and you don't have the, the resources of being able to go to said, whether it's a country club or a city program or, or, or whatever the case may be, you know, that is a, a fantastic way to learn. I mean, and looking forward, we saw that how many people have learned amazing skills from YouTube just by watching, observing, and, and learning lessons like that. So I, I kind of did that pre-YouTube. And fortunately, what it did is it gave me a, a huge understanding of the sport. It gave me an, a keen eye to of what to watch, uh, how to understand stroke production, different spins, uh, different body types, and what I started forming my own opinion, saying, okay, well, listen, I know this guy is like, six, seven, why has he got two in the backhand? I think he could probably have a little bit more reach if he had a one-handed backhand and would have much better volleys. Um, mm. So you know, all those things start to come just from that the process of watching, learning, and then also doing as well. So I'm a self-taught player, um, and um, I'm, I'm happy that I did that way, actually, because I was able to piece together a game that I wanted for me, the, the one that I felt was best suited for me. Of course, I wasn't going to get to the point of holding up a Wimbledon trophy, or at least not one that I want, but <laughs> I was be very happy and proud of what I was able to do on my own. Dude. Okay. So, cause I got, some, I got to follow up on that one because funny enough, and I think Bryce, you know, this, so I started playing late in the, in the, in, in the day, if you will. Um, and I initially started with a one handed backhand and I switched right after I saw Andre Agassi. So of course I then molded my backhand off of Andre Agassi because I just, it was, it's in my opinion, the greatest shot ever. So I'm curious if you're, if we pull apart your game, hmm. your forehand, your backhand, your volleys, who can you tell us and our listeners, who were the players that you feel like you took the most from in developing your self-taught game? Because I, 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 I love what I just heard. Well, you know, it, ultimately for me, I, I believe that learning sh should never stop. And right. it's always something that should evolve based upon uh, a myriad of things. So in regards to tennis, uh, so I do have an answer, but then it, it, it has changed over the course of time. Uh -huh. um, balls have changed, strings have changed, rackets have changed. Right. Um, the speed of the ball now has changed as a result of all that. So a lot of these things um, are different. So I'm not saying that I looked like any of these people. I'm just saying <laughs> I tried to, to take pieces from. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to break down uh, first was the the volley. And for me, I think Stefan Edberg had, it, especially on the backhand side, I would say okay. the most pure and beautiful backhand volley uh, to this day that I've ever seen. Uh, I, I know that McEnroe is touted as the one possibly with the most touch and feel, but what I saw Edberg do with that backhand time and time again, especially off of the, the backhand slice approach, it was just a thing of beauty. And, um, you know, being able to watch how low he stayed, 
was just an amazing thing. Edberg being, I want to say, 6'2", and just like the level of the, his center of gravity was just such a, a, a thing to watch. The forehand volley was beautiful as well, but there was something special to me about that backhand volley. Um, on the forehand volley side, um, I, I took from probably from a bit more, there, there, was, a, there was a lot of people that I, I thought had uh, very good forehand volleys. I think Sampras had uh, an awesome one. Um, even, you know, as you say, going way back now, mm-hmm, uh, but mm-hmm. pulling, pulling out from the archives, um, Tim Mayotte, gentleman uh, Tim Mayotte, an uh-huh. amazing as well. Um, but again, that backhand side to me was just something so beautiful about Edberg. On the one hand, the backhand, there was a, I want to say a culmination of different players. There were players who I liked with just the take back. I think that uh, one of the things I loved about Becker's take back was that his, his, his right arm was very much extended. If you look at some players today, whether it's Federer or the artist known as, formerly known as Baby Fed and, and uh, Demetrio, <laughs> right. there's a bit of a bend in the take back. So what ends up happening um, at that level, it's much easier, but you have to make sure that that arm gets straight by the time you've gotten to contact. Right. I think it becomes a bit more difficult for the recreational player to be able to do that. So one of the things I liked about Becker's take back was in that arm being much straighter. Um, Shapovalov does it to, um, currently that when when the rotation happens, the arm is already extended and it just needs to come through. Mm-hmm. When you're fed, you can do whatever you want and it's going to work. Of skill, so I don't even bother trying. I think serve uh, Sampras to this day, I still say has got to be one of the most effective serves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people will say that Federer is in regards to placement and whatnot, but pure power, um, I think Sampras was just amazing. I want to say the the most beautiful motion that I probably have ever seen is that of Yannick Noah. Um, uh-huh. just pure poetry, just just like just. Every single part of that serve was just absolutely beautiful. And there's something that players of, of that era and before did that you don't see really any players do today, and that is come forward with the right foot. Everybody today now lands on their left foot. Allah, again, you know, Stefan Edberg, you know, many, a myriad of other players, Stanford as well. But some of the more classic style players, and uh, Noah had a beautiful, beautiful classic serve. Um, had that right foot come through and again just a thing of beauty thing of beauty um let's see here what am i forgetting oh slice backhand um i think that steffi graf has had the best slice backhand uh, ever mm-hmm. i think I, from what i've seen uh, ken rosewald seemingly had a beautiful one as well but there was something so amazing about graf's backhand on the slice it it, it was a weapon it she mm. literally knifed the ball that's right. And the, the way that it, it was piercing, it stayed low. Uh, when I tell people, listen, if you want to learn how to hit a real slice backhand and you want it to become a weapon, just see what you can see, watch on Steffi Graf because it is truly just amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, she was one of the greatest athletes in sport ever. I mean, the woman they said could have actually been on the German national track team. She was that fast. Those but, legs, those legs, yeah. come on. She was she was a mover, um, but what she did on that backhand, and I, I never felt that the backhand really got the credit that it deserved because everybody felt it as though that she um, 
it she had such a monster forehand that the, the backhand slice was just kind of like, eh, yeah, it's like the weaker shot. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, you see how that thing barely bounced up? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> especially on grass. I'm like, you you kind of need that shot to win Wimbledon, especially when you're trying to, to fight off the likes of Martina Navratilova. Uh-huh. I don't want to say she was totally past her prime, but she was clearly, you know, a, a bit advanced in age for for that particular era. You know, because right. once you got to the late 20s, going into your 30s, you were considered to be like, it's about time for you to retire. And Martina did it clearly, um, you know, until about 40 years old at, at that highest level. So fighting off players like that, um, Hanna Mandlikova and all the rest of them, uh, Steffi did some amazing things with that backhand slice. So, I, about- so I, pro- I probably went on a little bit, but, uh, you know, that, yeah. that thing that gives you the idea. Oh, and lastly, um, overhead. Uh, both backhand, overhead, and traditional. Uh, Yannick Noah, again, one of the best athletes. I mean, the way he used to be able to get up and get to that ball and the snap that he even got on the on the high backhand volley or high backhand overhead, I, I still have never seen anybody hit him like that. I still don't think you said your forehand. Uh, all right. Uh, this is true. This is true. Uh, so when it probably started i i, I want to say I, I probably looked a lot more towards sampras for the forehand sampras and lendl um mm-hmm. lendl had a monster forehand yep. um i did i i wasn't a huge fan of of uh lendl's follow-through uh but again him coming from the 70s and whatnot the smaller racket head um the style of play at that time the the technology and whatnot. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, Sampras kind of began to have a, a much more of a modern follow through that that we see today. It wasn't all the way there, clearly, but it it was it was kind of like the transition from the the the, the traditional more lendal forehand to what we had today. As time progressed, um, I mean, clearly you had to take a look at um, Agassi's forehand and say, man, um, you know, uh, <laughs> right. that changed everything. Um, but you know, with obviously with with Federer coming on and seeing again what he has done and understanding the the difference in in style and and body mechanics in order to get ball production, you know, things that you could never do with technology 25 years and and more ago. Uh, definitely, you know, you cannot look at Federer's forehand and say I don't want that or I don't want something. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Even if you are a Rafa fan and you're like, no, I, everything I love Rafa, I mean, you still have to look at Federer's forehand and say, I would, I would like, like to have a, li- a little bit of that in there somewhere. <laughs> if I could. <laughs> exactly. So, so tell me then, who are some of your all-time favorites? Give us a couple of the guys and a couple of the women. Um, who are the ones you rock with? I mean, it's it's not fair. I mean, it's just so like it's so cliche at this point. Federer, you know, of mm-hmm. course. Um, right. it, it's just so it's just so easy. But uh, again, I I I love and respect Rafa as well. I I think that it's it's a good thing. At the same time, I always wonder if there was a bit more McEnroe Connors to Federer and Nadal, how much bigger would the sport be right now? Um, but they're both so likable and they clearly have a great relationship that it's like, you know, they, it's almost kind of like them. They're, they're very much like family. They're like cousins or brothers or whatnot. And they both kind of made it. Right. 
So I, I would I, I can't take anything away from them too. Uh, Djokovic, listen, I give the man all his props in the world. He may not be as aesthetically beautiful for me to watch, right? Uh, but again, I have to give it to him. Uh, going back, listen, I got to give it up to my boy Shako, who I think that he has a a bright bright future ahead. He's got all the weapons in the world. It's just a matter of being able to piece them together. And I think that still with him being just 22 years old, when he gets to that point of being able to, to get a, a bit more of the mental side of, of his game together and he's able to apply that to all his weapons, it's going to be very, very dangerous out there for a lot of players. Um, but going back, I mean, listen, uh, Boris Becker was so exciting to watch. Again, I, I did already mention Yannick Noah, uh, Edberg, uh, Lendl. Um, you know, Connors, and again, you know, talking about the U.S. Open a little bit, you know, that historic run that he made in '91 uh, was just, you know, something so so amazing. Um, on the ladies' side, Graf is is one of my all-time favorites. Venus and Serena, especially, not just because of watching the King Richard movie, but it was just a nice reminder. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and even listen, you know, uh, Vicario, who who had to come through many times and beat, you know, Steffi Graf. Right. Uh, amazing. Uh, you know, somebody who doesn't get mentioned, you know, often enough to um, obviously the era that she played in was difficult for her to to really ascend. But uh, Sabatini. Right. Uh, Sab- mm-hmm. Sabatini really helped evolve the, the game. I mean, that massive topspin that she had hit. Not a lot of women at that time and even sometime after we're able to hit that massive top spin off of both forehand and backhand sides so that was something very unique at that time and i think it really helped usher in a, a new era for women's tennis that's awesome man i tell you what your 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 depth <laughs> is strong right. bro your depth is strong I mean, you you know these players, you know these games. I mean, it just comes across so effortlessly, bro. I I, I so appreciate that, and uh, just yeah, I, I man, it's 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 definitely got me excited as far as uh just again that knowledge that you possess on the old school as well as the new school game of tennis. There's a lot going on in this sport, and and it, it's just really nice to hear that you know giving the props to the folks that you know have come come and done their thing before us so i I love that bro well listen i have to and i did share this with you guys um you y'all on another level Uh, (laughs) 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 um yeah y'all on a whole another level as i said uh, you know i've I've listened to the podcast and i'm like who 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 (laughs) so the level of research that you guys do um, just based upon the passion. I, I don't think that, I, even if you guys were not doing the podcast, I think you would still have the same knowledge base about the players who are coming up, who are currently hot, all the rest of it. I think that that is just who you guys are. And honestly, you know, I, I appreciate it on, a, on more than you guys know, because, you know, sometimes I'll be listening and just be like, OK, who do I need to be on the lookout for? Because I don't want to look stupid if I have to start talking. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. We and appreciate you, that, bro. Right. And it's so funny because even just the way we got started, it was our producer just heard us talking. That's right. And 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 I I guess we were doing the show as just a part of our regular life. <laughs> and and he was like, you know what? 
there's something in here, you know, that I think we could do. We're like, what? <laughs> exactly. Like, for real? You sure? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I said, get, get Chester's roses, man. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. He exactly. saw something we showed, didn't I tell you that? Uh, okay. Well, listen, I, I think there are a lot of us that are glad he did. Yeah, we, we are really glad he did. So, okay, so I think we've got a good idea of what you're looking like tennis-wise. Yes. Talk to us about the music. How yes. did you get into the music and, 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 and everything? Um, you know, I guess to a degree, and I think I've lessened, I've lessened in this, but probably there's a bit of control freak in regards to some, some aspects of me. And it all really just started that, you know, hearing other DJs and I just was kind of like, all right, y'all suck. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had a couple of cho- I had a couple of choices. I could like either just, you know, hang around and be like, y'all suck, or I could try to do something better. And then thankfully I, I chose the latter and, and it really just put me off into um, a, a, a different place. And you know, it also allowed me a creative outlet that uh, I, I didn't have in that same way before. So I was able to, to, to kind of pivot away from some visual arts and, and, and then apply it to music. So even though I was not pr- producing this, the music, I, I damn sure wasn't going to be a rapper. But um, <laughs> just I, I love the, the performance aspect of DJing, being in a room and and watch and being able to control that energy. And again, that goes to the, you know, a little bit of the control freak, but you know, being able to stop it on the dime. Like, okay, let me make it sexy for the ladies right now. All right, boom, all right, all right boom, okay, all right. Let me send everybody to the bar real quick. So being able to, to do all, all those things within the, the ebbs and flow of, of a night and in a party was just something that really appealed to me and being able to, to utilize music and, and these instruments that, our turntables and I, I always say yeah the turntables is an instrument and if you don't believe me I got a bunch of videos I can show you you know that's right of you otherwise so um I I love that I love the the creativity of the music I love the fact that especially at, at a point where hip-hop was not where it is today but it it, it, be, it was very much a a a story of, of of the time and the culture and the world and if you go back and listen to to certain albums, it's very telling about what was going on. And, that, and that's not just rap. I think that's just music in general. I mean, you can go back to to a Beatles album or a John yeah. Lennon album and, and, and hear exactly what was going on during a, a certain time in the world and, and get a, a very visceral type of feeling of the, the smell, the sound, the taste, and, and just what was happening. And especially for me with hip hop, I think that that was very very important especially at a time before there was instagram and youtube and and all these things this was the a way for people to communicate taking it all the way back to ancient traditions of of music during the times where our peoples were enslaved and having to communicate through messages through music we were able Mm -hmm. to tradition on through through music so people in in la could speak to people in New York and in Florida and Indiana and Louisiana about what was happening there. And you could get the understanding. There was no real way to know that unless you had traveled there or you had friends or family there and you communicated in that way. But there was a way because of the music to know, hey, listen, there, you know, there's a problem going on in these streets, whether it's, it's the drugs or it's the, the abuse of, by police or whatever the case may be. 
or, you know, like even if it wasn't something along those lines, it may have been fashion or, you know, what cars were, you know, we think are hot or whatnot. Like the music was the message that allowed people to, to know. And it was the, it was the information portal. And that is awesome, bro. I am I am very much interested in hearing about your first DJ gig, if you will, because I remember as a singer, I remember kind of my first time getting out in front of, of, of folks. I was actually like in the fifth grade and I had to sing Endless Love with this one girl named Leslie Rodriguez. And I just remember <laughs> uh, singing my little Lana Richie part and everybody. Was, ah! And I mean, it was like, <laughs> all right, that's I'm I'm hooked. This is apparently what I'm kind of supposed to do. So I'm very much interested in hearing about what was your first experience DJing and when did you kind of have that feeling and know that, you know what, this is my path? I mean, I probably, like most people, remember it much better than what it actually was. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't remember it being like, like it was trash or anything like that. Like uh, I had, and like I said, maybe it's just, you know, looking at the past in rose colored glasses, especially when you're looking at your own picture. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember it being good. Now, what I can tell you is that, um, again, in talking about resources uh, for tennis, the same thing can apply to music, Isaac, as you know. Uh, and and turntables at that time, you know, they, they, you know, they ain't cheap now, but they they definitely weren't cheap then. Right. So to, to have, to try to get, access to um you know to to those to that and you needed not just one you needed two turntables and you needed a mixer mm-hmm. and you had to have records so you know every at every turn there was a cost associated with this so um i actually kind of had to figure out a way because i didn't have turntables to kind of practice in the party <laughs> mm. <laughs> i hear you i hear you I, I got this idea. I want to put together these two records. It should sound like this, but I can't really practice it before I get to the party. So I hope it goes good. <laughs> like I said, at least the memories were, uh, were, were you know, they, they were pretty good. They were pretty good. So I, I don't think I, I totally flopped. But not like everything else, you know, we get better with time. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I definitely... Uh, look back on, on those times and, and remember them, you know, bef- the, the era before technology became a part of it, where you really did have to spend a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of mm-hmm. resources to curate a collection. And, it, you know, there was, there, there was something very special about that. Um, everything changes, everything evolves. Listen, we're able to, 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 to do this interview and, and speak with one another because of technology. So I'm not like anti-technology, but there was something very special about that time in 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 doing that and being a DJ. And, you know, it was, it was always great going into the party because you had everybody who wanted to grab a crate of records to help because they got in free at the end of the <laughs> <laughs> more Because, uh, all right, we out, man. Oh, yeah, yeah I met this girl, man. I'm out of here. I'll tell you, you were dealing with the records all by yourself again. <laughs> that part so- I don't miss. <laughs> <laughs> So look, I like showing up with my laptop now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, ju- I just come with a backpack and uh, and everything's in it. And boom, at the end of the night, I'm out of there in like two, three minutes. Nice. So, so look, we know a lot of people DJ, but you clearly have gone next level. What 
was that event or what happened where you said, okay, this was kind of like my big break. This, this is kind of taking me to the next level. I mean, I think it's happened like quite a few times, um, mm, to be okay. honest. And, you know, somebody once told me, uh, somebody that I knew from radio, uh, and it, it was a very unlikely source that this came from. And the reason why I'll say this to you is because his on-air name was Joe Mama Johnson. So I, I really wasn't expecting as much profoundness coming from from him. But it just goes to show, listen, don't judge a book by its cover or by its name. That's right. And actually what he told me, I may be paraphrasing a little bit, but this is ultimately the, the, the essence of what he was saying is, windows of opportunity are constantly opening and closing. The, the trick is to jump out of the one that's closing into the one that's opening. Mm. Uh-huh. Mind blown. Mm. So, and he was absolutely right. Uh, I never forgot that. I will never forget it because it is just the truth. It, it honestly is. So uh, I, I quickly found myself being able to get involved in radio, which was a blessing. Uh, one reason, I no longer had to pay for music in the way that I had. <laughs> right. The record companies needed people like myself to actually help promote the music, and they, they wanted to get it out by utilizing DJs, especially those of us who are on radio. So being able to move from one radio station to the next, and then ultimately uh, having connections with somebody at BET, the music director, and BET was showcasing DJs on the show called Rap City at the time, mm -hmm. was able to parlay a, a guest um, position there. And you know, I'll never forget, um, I went, I'm trying to remember if it was the first time or if it was the second time. It may have been the second time, but I ended up going across the street because where the show was actually shot was in New York on, on 57th Street. And those were the studios. The offices were across the street. So I, I had gone over just to say a quick couple of hellos to some people who I knew and ended up running into the, the, the program director um, at the time. And I, my all I wanted to say was thank you for giving us collectively, not just me, but all of us as DJs, you know, this this wonderful opportunity and this platform to get showcased. It's so important to, to us when we go back to our respective cities. So it's like, oh, yeah, I know, I know who you are. Yeah, yeah, we're going to hire you. Wow. I didn't know, know if I was getting punked. You know, I didn't know <laughs> because I never asked for a job. I never said, yo, I want to be here full time. It was, it was nothing in the world could have been further from my mind. Again, it was just like I wanted to let this man know, Stephen Hill, that what he was doing was really great on behalf of all DJs because there was no other place for us to get that type of shine. And boom. And, you know, kind of like, you know, there it was. Probably um, in, in about a, less than a year's time, I was able to then take over the reins for, for Rap City. And from there, I was able to, to do a whole host of things. I had a chance to travel to I'm not going to say the entire world, but, uh, you know, I definitely did a lot of traveling, especially through the Caribbean, and mm. it's amazing. And as a result, um, in part, I'm not going to say totally, but in part, that's what also led me to being able to be involved with ESPN. Uh, I will be forever indebted to um, Trey Wingo, and Trey is just one of the most amazing people um, that you will ever want to meet. Um, forget about the, the TV stuff. So for those that don't know, Trey was... A, a longtime host on ESPN, mm -hmm. um, brilliant, yeah. brilliant man. And talk, talk about his football, amazing. I was hosting, well, yeah, we were co-hosting an event called the Madden Bowl. 
during the Super Bowl, it was a, p- a party that was threatened by EA Sports, the video game company. So they brought, I was, I had been a DJ for the event for a number of years. ESPN came in and partnered with EA. So then he and I, for a number, probably about four or five years, had had um, hosted the event together. And just through, you know, kind of like talking before the event started, tennis comes up, probably because I brought it up. Um, <laughs> he said, oh, I got to I got to introduce you to uh, to our VP. And lo and behold, I mean, the man was not just blowing smoke. He actually did it. And as a result, um, you know, the, the conversation just ended up, you know, it, it evolved and it, it kept on going. And I was told by the VP, you know, I want to do something with you. I really want to do something with you. Just be patient, be patient, be patient. And uh, I have to give it to him. It, in all the times that I would see him at the U.S. Open or at the Miami Open or, or whatever other tournaments, uh, I mean, it was always like this huge hug, like I was his long lost uh, son. And, you know, just, hey, listen, you good? You need anything? Uh, yeah, you, you need the credential? Uh, hey, uh, all right, well, no, I'm good this time. But um, <laughs> so one thing, and, and always, like Joe Mama had said, the trick is jumping out of that window that's closing into the one that's opening. Mm-hmm. And I never forgot that. And I've tried my best to do it. And fortunately, at least at, at this time, it's led me to to a situation with ESPN that I'm I'm so thankful for because I would have never in my wildest dreams ever thought that I'd be roaming the halls of, of the U.S. Open with a credential, let alone one from ESPN. And I'm I'm damn near going everywhere except the locker rooms. And I'm like, yo, hey, I'm here and it's me. <laughs> right. This is, I'm out. Like, yo, this is all right. You know, I did it. Mom, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, man. I mean, just... Um, it's a story of, you know, taking advantage of opportunities that are, you know, in front of you. And I think so many people miss opportunities because they don't even see them in front of themselves, you know? That's right. Uh, that, that's huge. So so now you, you've got ESPN going, right? You got BET um, in your back pocket. Uh, how did you get connected with City Taste of Tennis? So um, Penny and Judy, the, the the brains and everything behind AYS, the, the production company behind the Station Tennis, um, they have been doing this event now for 21 years. Well, actually, I, I want to say maybe 22. <clears throat> and I actually met them at an All-Star Weekend. And I was with BET at the time. And Again, sports were talking, and somehow tennis comes up. I probably brought it up. Uh, and <laughs> lo and behold, you know, she's telling me about this event that they're doing. Oh, bird? Oh, this is amazing. Now, one of the kind of secret weapons I think that happens or, and that, that I'm able to wield is that nobody's expecting this DJ guy, you know, this totally, like, hip-hop dude to be able to pontificate about the, the sport of, of tennis. Right. When it happens, it's kind of like, yo. So uh, <laughs> so one thing, you know, after the next, and I'd gone to the Taste of Tennis um, a bit after we had that conversation. The thing that I noticed was, and, and the thing that I think that you guys also br- bring, is that we want to be able to try to our best in, in our own ways as much as possible to highlight this sport and to, to show people our passion and show people why you should, you should, have some type of interest or some appreciation for the sport as well. One of the things that I can clearly state is that going to an all-star weekend or, or being involved at 
uh, Super Bowl weekends. It's so much more of a party and enjoyable experience for not just the the players, but also to the you know the, the quote unquote party goers. So what I notice a lot of times at these tennis parties is like you have some DJ who's just hired by some comp- production company who's putting it on. They have no idea why they're there. They have no idea who any of the players are. They have no idea what tournament's going on. No idea about nothing. They just there to play some music. <clears throat> so finally, when it comes time for me to, to DJ my first taste of tennis, and I'm like, yo, I need a mic. Oh, okay. All right, good, great, thank you. All right, go away now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, being able to now engage with the players, they're not accustomed to this, you know, especially like the retired players. I mean, um, this is how Brad Gilbert and I became friends because, you know, being able to to shout him out from the stage and shout now players like um, Mark Woodford and like, you know, these guys have never heard them, their names mentioned at a party. Like, who is this DJ? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> like, right. I don't know who I am. Who is this guy? So it, it became much more it evolved into a, a more of like a, a hosted type of event versus before I started doing it. Again, why? Because there was nobody really there to, to engage in that way. So it really morphed into the, the type of events that we see today. And I'm, I'm very happy that I was able to, to be a part of it. And um, Penny and Judy, they're great. They have a, f- a phenomenal staff. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they definitely have <clears throat> every bit of support that I, I can give them. Because also too, what what they bring to to the table for the athletes, for the the entertainment side of people being able to enjoy not just what happens on the court. Yes, that is great, and that's ultimately the reason why. But we got to give a little something else. Like we have to give the players a chance to have a good time. To you know, bring up the entertainment level a lot more. So that was uh, the taste of tennis. And it's, as you can see, even with the tavern on the green event, it, it had to be more understated than previous events right. because of the times that we're in, but, you know, still being able to pull that off. And we're going to get back to a time where we can have the, the larger events and, and a lot more interaction. But I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot more continuing to evolve. So shouts out to the AYS crew. Oh, yeah. Big, big, humongous <laughs> shout, shout outs to our girls, Penny and Judy. We love yeah. them. We yeah. we cannot say enough. Uh, like you, we we absolutely adore those two, and and we will rock with them to the end. They are awesome. They are. Right. They, they really, really are. And you know what? I, I what I really love and appreciate about them is that as um as two women uh, that are the you know the the founder and and CEO of of, of that company, um, they have done a lot to empower women within their own company, and. Um, and throughout tennis and and beyond, so you know, really kudos to them. Um, I, I I wish them all the luck. Not even luck. I wish them all the success uh, in the world. Uh-huh. And you guys, you know, I'm I'm rocking with them. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so so DJ Madlings, talk to us a little bit about the tennis channel. So we've talked about ESPN, talked about BET. How did that association come about? Oh well. Um, my manager at the time, uh, I had expressed to him that, hey, look, you know what? Um, I'm still doing BET and understanding, mm-hmm. once again, um, that that windows of opportunity opening and closing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a shot in the dark. But, um, you know, what? I'm huge with tennis, man. I would love the opportunity to see if there's anything that we can do, get in, do a, do a party with them, you know, whatever, whatever. So 
Um, shouts out my man Matt Daniels. He sent out he sent out this uh, email, and I don't know who he sent it to, but eventually we got a response, and it just so happened to be from Carlos Fleming, who is the agent for Venus Williams, James Blake, Nick Kyrgios. The list goes on and on. What what Carlos has done in the world of sports is nothing short of of um, exceptional, amazing, and uh, you know just an all around great guy. So at the time, the Tennis Channel was was still building. Uh, there was a time that people may not remember this, but the only content that they had was Davis Cup. That was it. Mm, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So ESPN owned uh, a lot of the tournaments. The at the time, I want to say uh, NBC definitely still owned the French. CBS right. still owned the uh, U.S. Open. Um, before that, e- USA Network actually had. Mm-hmm. And so yep, there was right. now them to to actually get besides Davis Cup, so they were really working hard to build their um their, their brand and network and whatnot. And shouts out to Ken Solomon, who is the CEO. This man is a machine. Mm. Let me, uh, I mean, he just doesn't stop. Uh, and any given U.S. Open in particular, I think the man might get all of about twenty four hours sleep for the entire tournament. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it's it's. Honestly, it's kind of an amazing thing. The first people who I met at the Tennis Channel were Ken, who was the CEO, and one of the vice presidents, David Edges, and, you know, just had a conversation from there. And much like what we're talking about now, they just want to know, engage my interest and knowledge based on tennis. And I think it it, it definitely, um, it it landed well because <laughs> we've, we've always had a relationship ever since. Um, I spent a lot of time with him, especially at the U.S. Open. Um, at the City Open in D.C., he was there again, and you know, through that, I was brought in to be a panelist on some of their shows, Best of Five, um, what later became The Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did a special for them once upon a time called Champions Then and Now. Uh, as they've grown and been able to, to start getting much more in, in the world of uh, features, they had a great one, um, Strokes of Genius. Uh, they have some other stuff in the works that I'm not sure if I'm allowed to. To I'm not saying this. I'm I'm not saying I'm involved. I'm just saying they have. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm at liberty to say I don't want to get in trouble. So there we no, go. No, don't get yourself don't in get trouble. Don't get in trouble. Yeah, we, we, we want to do that. <laughs> I just want to say it, it very much seems as though that the, the future of Tennis Channel is extremely bright. I mean, especially once ESPN last year had decided that they were going to reduce their number of tournaments in regards to coverage. Tennis Channel moved right in and picked all that up. So they are truly, truly the um, the home of, of tennis in, in, you know, throughout the calendar year. ESPN still, of course, has the Australian, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open, but Tennis Channel has just done some amazing moves. And again, Ken Solomon is, is just a, he's a fearless, brilliant leader, um, businessman, and just somebody who, like us, has just a, a huge and tireless passion for the sport and just wants to highlight it in the best ways possible. Do you have any insight as to why ESPN decided to start moving away from some of the tournaments? Anything that you can share that wouldn't get you in trouble? Well, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was not told any reason on why it happened. I can only speculate. And he, here's my my biggest disappointment in in tennis here in the United States. We have a very jingoistic culture. and if whoever players is not American, mm. culturally, we tend not to have that level of interest. Right. So 
you know, I, I've told this to, to, to Shapo. I'm like, you know, what? if you were American, you would be so on fire right now because they would be all over you. I'm yep. like, you're good looking, you're young, you're blonde. Um, you know, <laughs> right, right, right. And that would be what's happening. I mean, like the, the level of, and, and listen, not to take anything away from him at all. Like he's amazing. What, what the deals he has are all fantastic. But just here in the United States, he would be through the roof. Yeah. Because we are so about, hey, listen, you know what? When that person is with that flag, you know, it, it, we, you know, we love it. The, that era that was <clears throat> Michael Chang, Pete Sampras, Jim Courier, Andre Agassi, even, um, you know, that that whole crew. Um, mm-hmm. It was it, there was such such fire behind it because of again they were all Americans, so we're missing that currently. Right. Once Serena does retire when whenever that is might be 2060 but whenever that happens <laughs> and, and if we are left with a void it's going to be very difficult to get the masses not not people like us not people like the listeners and the viewers of brothers on tennis but it it's going to be hard to get the the casual viewer um i thought what was so great and amazing was that this year's women's final at the u.s open mm-hmm. between a Brit and a Canadian, the yep. ratings were through the roof. The, right. the ratings were 17% higher than that of the men's final. And Djokovic was going for the calendar slam. Right. right. So well, well that was, speaks volumes. <laughs> right, exactly. It speaks volumes. Listen, there were, there were certain people who I know that I know don't have a sincere interest in tennis, but there was something about Leila Fernandez that they just really gravitated yeah. to. Yep, yeah. yep, come on. That's yeah, it. That, and again, if that girl was American, and I can only speak to here, I'm sure she lit up Canada, you know, all the way up. But if she was here, I think that, um, again, what it would have done would have been like nuclear. So to get back to the, the essence of the question, because we don't have that American presence in the top 10 and top five fighting for, for Grand Slams in the way we once did, I think the the casual viewer's interest has waned. Yeah. So again, this is just speculation. Nobody told me anything. If you work for a, a, a television network, you ultimately have to make decisions <clears throat> based on numbers, revenue, uh, viewership numbers. And if we're not getting that, I think it becomes a harder decision to make, especially like, and again, this happened during the pandemic. So um, ESPN, which is owned by Disney, had a lot of financial, uh, I don't want to use the word troubles, but you know, there were people who were being laid off. They weren't making money from from Marvel at the movies. They weren't making any money at the, on the cruise lines. A lot of their revenue streams had um, been affected by by the pandemic. So I can only speculate that they ultimately had to probably take a, a looks at a lot of the properties that they had, and maybe it was just they thought that they could better serve their shareholders and the uh, and and just the company by maybe making some different choices. So I of course was very saddened to see the a lot of the Masters 1000s leave ESPN, especially as I had kind of just gotten there. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be dope. Like, yo, I'm <laughs> in Miami. <laughs> you know, uh, Cincinnati, yo, it's go time, baby. Come on. Right, right. come on. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, man, all right, well, I'm, I'm glad we still got the Australian, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, but... um. But yeah, but but again, you know, it, 
tennis is, is in still um, on the broadcast side, still in wonderful hands um, between ESPN and Tennis Channel. It's in it's in great, great, great hands. And you know, again, I just hope that we can really get to a point of being able to generate interest, regardless of whether or not the players are American or not here, that we can do a little something better to to create just interest in just wonderful tennis. I mean, again, imagine if Federer was American. Oh, oh. my goodness. Uh, I mean, could you imagine what it would be like here? I mean, twice it, a billionaire. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, and of course he's. I mean, listen, he's he's the king. Right. But and and, and listen, he speaks t- eighteen different languages. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so he can. Go, he's good at you know everywhere else. But I'm just saying that at least here, um, with the with the 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 consumer based market that the United States of America is, um, what he would be here would be like. I mean, it would be Jordan, Jordan or more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, um, I mean, the, the the amount of time he has spent at number one, the, the the fact that he's played at this level for so long, the fact that at least for a little while, and he still has it, the record. Um, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and listen, I'm I'm very hopeful. I'm very hopeful. Um, again, uh, it looks like Djokovic is not playing the Australian. I'm I'm right. like. sure he won't. Um, (laughs) Nadal is supposed to be at 100%. Um, I'm not going to be mad if we have 2020-20 for a few more months. I'm very happy with it right now. And honestly, if it ended like that, if none of them won another slam, I I would be like the happiest person in the world. You know what? I have said so many times uh, that I think the real marvel in all this rather than any of them individually, is what the big three have done. Exactly. If you're going to see three players dominate mm-hmm. the tennis circuit the way they have for as long as they have, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. And granted, yes, you can take each one of them individually and they're, you know, they're competing for greatest of all time. But when you talk about the three of them together, right. the big three, and if they can all end with 20, I agree with you. I think that would be the most beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, ditto. Like that would just—I'd be so happy. Listen, I don't want any of them. I don't want anybody to have to leave the game because of injuries or whatnot. And if, and if Djokovic goes on and plays for another eight, nine, ten years, I get it. But, it <laughs> <laughs> but it's just something so nice about like just—it's just perfect right now. Like it's just like, as you said, it's just the era. It's the three best all time and what they have done collectively is just so amazing it's just so picture perfect it's almost kind of like it's like it's like a picasso painting and it's like one more stroke would just ruin the entire composition mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. well let me take this opportunity to ask you this question so we're talking about the big three we've talked about you know when serena and venus might be moving on What's your outlook on the game? You've talked about the broadcasting is in good hands. How are you looking at the future of the women's tour and the men's tour and some of the, the players that are coming up these days? I personally think that um, let's talk about the, the women's side first. Um, I think there has been a lot more uh Parody, I think there's been more players that have come up and have had the opportunity to win because re- really when we talk about the dominance on the women's side, it has been Serena. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, 
And there's been some players who've come in and, you know, one slam here, slam there. Maybe, you know, some people have three. But Serena solely has held that dominant space for so long. Right. So I think I think that the women are a little bit more um, I, I I think they're ready to pounce a little bit more when they see blood in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and taking a look at the last several slam finals that Serena has been a part of, um, you know, the girls were not scared. Right? Uh-uh. They, they were not scared at all. They, they were they were they were ready for the moment because I think they understand that, OK, at some point we got next. Right. Yep. And. and and again, as wonderful and as amazing Serena has been for so long, and I definitely mean no shade in this whatsoever, there, there does have to come a point where the next person up has to kind of have that belief in themselves where they're like, okay, I, you know, I can do this. I can That's do this. Right. And, and in all honesty, as, as much as she is an icon, I think that we have some of the young women now who are coming up who don't really get how much of an icon she, that she's been during her height. You know, I don't think that they really had the chance to to really uh, understand it on on the level that some of the older players do. Right. Uh, I saw something recently when LeBron James was being discussed, and one of the points that they were making ab- about him is that he does have that air of respect still from many of uh, not just his peers, but some who've come in a, a little bit after him. And, you know, Westbrook was mentioned and whatnot, you know, as far as like some of those players who have come in a little bit after him who are like still, you know, yeah, yeah, of course I'll go play in LeBron. The point that they were making was the younger players, the players who are just like, you know, 22, 23, 24, like they don't have that. They, they, they respect him, but they don't revere him in that same way. So they're mm-hmm. able to compete against him in, in, a, in a totally different way than potentially some of the players who are a little bit closer in age. I think that, that that that's true, and I think that we've seen that on the women's side. Um, right. Just watch what Naomi did when she first played her played um, Serena, and of course, you know there were some other circumstances there. Right. Sasha, who had Serena for so long, was obviously able to have some insight that he was able to share with Naomi. But still, when she got up on to, you know online to serve, it was it was go time. It was yep. totally go time. So I, I do think that we're going to see, I don't think we're going to see the dominance because I thought that there were a couple of times that we would have seen it already. Raducanu, I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, I really um, thought that, um, oh my God, how am I forgetting the uh, the Canadian girl um, who, who won the Open? Um, oh, Bianca Andreescu? Andreescu, thank you so much. Yeah. I really, when, when I saw her win that year, I thought that she was really primed and ready to to start to dominate. And I know she's had some injuries and and, and whatnot, but I have not seen with my my eye test anybody who's been able to to come and get it and then stay to take it again. Right, right. I mean, Naomi seems to be the closest. Naomi's definitely the closest. And yeah. uh, and yes, and saying this all besides Naomi, of course. And she's got going on with her whatever she's got going on right now. So we'll see. You know how how ultimately pans out, but again, even she's had some kind of all right. So she's there, and then she's not, and then she's there, and then she's not, and she's really not. So exactly (laughs) how that all pans out. You know, on the men's side, um, you know, we saw in that 
2020 uh, U.S. Open men's final where it was the first time it's like, okay, well, the big three ain't none of them here, so one of y'all got to take it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Take it like, I don't really want it. You want it? No, you don't want it, man? Come on, I don't want it. <laughs> Why you don't want to take it? Because I really don't want it. No, you should have it. You should take it. Take it, take it. No, no. Why are you hitting it back over here? No, 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 you have it. <laughs> like, you know, I, I mean, I, I felt like, you know, team damn that moonwalked into, into the title. <laughs> right, right. You know, Mm. Um, and it, I think it's been so tough for the guys because it has been like, all right, like we're all just playing for second place for so long. Right. Maybe, maybe not even second place. We, we just, we, we try and play just at the place. <laughs> we <laughs> get a bronze trophy out, uh, over here. So <laughs> eventually, yes, you know, um, Roger clearly is on the, what could be the tail end, depending upon how he comes back. Um, right. We'll never count him out. Not until Roger says that he's done, am I going to believe that he's done. I was right. not happy with, with how he left out uh, um, from Wimbledon. And I don't mean the match. I meant the press conference. Mm. Um, that's what bothered me. Uh, but all that being said, I, I did strongly believe, coming off of the type of injury that, that he was, and I'm just talking about the seriousness of it more so than anything else. When it comes to football, when it comes to basketball and whatnot, it normally takes an athlete at least a year of actual play to really kind of get back. So I, w- I really wasn't like totally out on offense done. Listen, they, they count that man out more times than we can count right now. But mm-hmm. I was, needs like that full solid year to really be able to get back in and, and be whatever he's got left. Um, but, you know, again, going back to the question, because I can't veer off sometimes, uh, we've got a lot of young players, and I'm hoping that a lot of them really begin to, to really step it up. Um, you know, team, I know, obviously, again, talking about injuries, he was not able to, to really follow up. It seemed like I thought that once he got the monkey off his back after losing the French Open twice, that mm-hmm. he finally got, he got a grand slam. He, it was going to really be go time for him. Um, and it seemed like it, that the exact opposite happened. I don't know if it was all based on injury. It clearly was partially injury. Uh, I know that Jez Green is working with him now. Jez is an amazing person to have on, on your team. Uh, no, 100%. You see what he did for Andy Murray, what he did mm-hmm. for, for Zara for all those years. So I think that that was probably one of his best moves because um, Jez is all business. He's going to get you right. <laughs> that you much go. I can promise you. I can promise you that. Zarev seems to have uh, maybe turned a corner. At least he's not double faulting with 68 mile an hour second serves any longer. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I think Dimitrov probably is one of my most biggest disappointments um, in, in definitely this century, if not more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just somebody who I'm like, come on, bro. You, you, I mean, you, you couldn't get you couldn't get it together for one slam, not <laughs> one. <laughs> Right. I mean, you got all the tools. You got yeah. all the tools. Yeah. I mean, you, they, they nickname you Baby Fed. You can't get a Baby Grand Slam? <laughs> Just one. Just one. I mean, again, you know, he back, he, 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 you know, he moonwalked into to a year-end championship because nobody was right. there. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm like, listen, I love watching you play, but damn, come on, bro. Uh-oh. <laughs> You know, uh, I think this kid Alcaraz, I'm curious. I'm curious because he's got so much attention on him right now. What does it, what comes after? All right. Mm-hmm. Got the eyes of the world looking at you. You had a great run. People are saying you got the biggest forehand since Rafa. What you going to do, bro? 
you know, what you going to do? He looks solid, though, man. He does look solid. Yeah, no, listen, he, he, he definitely looks solid for right now. Um, he clearly ran out of gas, um, you know, toward, towards the end there at the Open. Um, totally oh. solid. I'm not taking anything away, but I, I need to see, you know, I, I, need, I need you to, to, to double down and do it again. I need you to do it again. Right, right, right. <laughs> I think you can do it again, but I need you to do it again. I really do. Um, Center, I think is look. I, I, what impresses me so much about Center is, I think a, a lot. A, I'll just be very honest and frank. A lot of the games, um, I'm just talking about the strokes, are all boring to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't really agree. Really center hit. Um, but what oh. I do like is what his like seemingly just his, his ability as as you know. I think what is he twenty now? Uh, yes. I so. yeah, yeah, I think like he turned 20 here recently, I believe. Um, his ability to have such a big match, you know, like what's the word I'm looking for? Ability to, to zone in on a match, unlike anybody else of, of his age. Yeah. Like he's out there like a vet. He, he, he's playing like he's got the mentality and the mental game of a 30 year old. <laughs> he's got that mindset, that's for sure. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he totally, totally has it. Um, like I said, the strokes, I mean, uh, for me, it's just kind of like, all right, yeah, another cookie cutter, you know, oh, yeah, I get it, you know, you're six foot five, you got two in the back end, you got to, you know, you got a decent serve, you know, you can come, come in, like, it, it, it some, sometimes it just kind of gets, like, all kind of vanilla in regards yeah. to that, but, right. I, you know, but watching how he plays points, <clears throat> that's what I'm interested in. Um, Medvedev, listen, I was <laughs> wishing I was wishing that, and by the way, kudos to y'all. Kudos to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Roll back the tape. <laughs> right. Roll it back. Uh, you know, I love this guy. He's got the most unorthodox looking strokes. He does. Uh, yes. Yeah, he's got the most crazy game for somebody who's 6'6, fast as all hell. Um, I, I'll never forget watching him in, the, in that 2019 final where, like, he hits an approach shot and starts backing up, like, three different times. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm like, bro, that, that wasn't supposed to be a half volley. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I loved that energy that he had. I thought for a minute we were about to have a bad guy. I yeah. thought we were about to have a bad guy. I was so excited that we were going to have a bad guy. But I'm sure <laughs> that the... Uh, I'm sure that the agent and the sponsors and I said, man, you got to turn this around. But I thought we were about, I was, I was so excited. I'm like, oh man, we're going to have a bad guy. He loves it. He loves being the bad guy. This is about to be great. Um, but listen, he broke through. I mean, just tore down Djokovic. And I don't care if Djokovic was tired. I don't care if it was mentally. <laughs> I mean, like, look, I know y'all called it, but I ain't know y'all. I mean, I ain't know it's going to be like that. <laughs> I mean, that was a beat down. It right. Was. Yeah. I mean, that was a Mike Tyson in his prime beat down. I mean, not <laughs> set. Not set. Uh, you know, I remember Joe Chris, set? So his, his, his future definitely looks like it could be very interesting. Uh, I love his outlook on the game. I love how he plays. I love that he kind of doesn't care. Um, I, I love that ab- about him. Uh, so, I, you know, like, it, the men's side, I'm hoping that we can get you know, some of our Americans that can, you know, do a little bit more. Uh, Taylor Fritz looks like he, you know, he's playing really good. I wish the, the kid had more personality than a rock, but um, <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, Taylor. I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, I know you're, I know you're a good guy. I'm just saying, like, you know, 
we want to we want to get the American fans behind the game a little bit more. So give us a little something. But I right. got I cannot not talk about my boy Jensen Brooksby. Oh All right. yeah. All right. Yeah. Now listen, this guy he does not have the prettiest game. He does not have the biggest game. But I I will tell you what he's got the biggest heart. Right. Yep. He's got the biggest belief in himself. I'm watching him and. and in some of these matches, as he was progressing throughout the year, I'm like, this boy don't know he ain't supposed to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and there he was. And I mean, and it was it was it was a lot of fun just watching him. And you know what? I, I love the fact that he was so appreciative of every moment, of every fan that wanted to get a picture or or sign and have him sign an autograph. I mean, like he appreciated every single bit of it. I mean, you couldn't ask for just a better young man that you'd want to go out there and watch and support. Or if you had kids or you were supporting a younger player or wanted to tell them, hey, look, that, you know, that's who you want to be like, Jensen Jensen is it. I mean, like, this kid just works tirelessly. He's got a fantastic team. He's, like, supposedly brilliant. I mean, to, plays the piano. I think he speaks three languages fluently. Just oh, wow. smart as hell. Wow. And, uh, yeah, just, just a great guy. But watching him on court, um, you know, he, he reminds me of the kid who – who just just will not stop fighting and who's just going to will himself to win. And I think that there, that that is something so amazing to watch. I mean, it, listen, it's one thing when you're watching Roger or Rafa, the big, you know, the big three, and then just they're out doing stuff that's, you know, amazing. And Djokovic has gone into a full split. You know, Roger's <laughs> winner. You know, Rafa has chased down a ball 180 feet and done something crazy with it. But not everybody can do that. I think Brooksby has that thing that, like, man, that I, like that could have been me. Like, you know, I'm not, I don't have the biggest forehand, I don't have the biggest serve, but man, like that kid just fights and fights and fights. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what he's gonna do in 2022. I, I, I agree. I, I do, I, I do give him an outside chance of having, and I'm not saying that a slam. I do give him an outside chance of having a really good result at uh, a big tournament, possibly a Masters 1000. Um, within the first half of the year. Mm. Okay. I, I hear you on that. I didn't say win. I didn't say win. I'm, <laughs> <not> say- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start sending you some, some little side-eye emojis after every big tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Where you at? <laughs> I'll be looking for them. I will be looking for them. <laughs> Man, love that, love that. But bruh, I, I, one thing that I know that we kind of touched upon earlier, and then we've gone some different paths, but definitely want to get your response, your opinion, your insight on the movie King Richard. Um, it is something that Bryce and I have seen now a few times. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. um, and of course, we have our opinions on it. I know that you spoke on it earlier. So I, I, I um, so it sounded to me as though you've seen it. So give our listeners your perspective on that movie. Well, um, first and foremost, um, I'm just happy that they gave Richard Williams his flowers while he's still here. Clearly, his health is um, been not in the best state, and it's been waning in, in, in these last several years. But um, if there's anybody who deserved the tale to be told, uh, I really do believe that that it was him. Um, the 
it's been my pleasure and honor to 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 meet and interact with with that family over the course of, of, of a number of years. And you know, they they are they are an amazing group. Um, you know, they they got each other's back like like seldom seen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Venus and Serena, they truly, truly love each other. When you see Venus after losing to Serena for a slam final, just be so happy for Serena and go grab her camera and start taking pictures of it and all. That is genuine. That's not for sure. That's right. not for sure. As far as Venus is concerned, that's her little sister and she always going to have her back. And um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very happy for that. I, I love a lot of the, the details that were in the movie, even as far as the, uh, you know, the, and you could tell Wilson was all over this thing. So there oh, yeah. were, yes. The, the the old Wilson profile, um, <laughs> you know, the, the the first coach uh, Paul had the uh, the old uh, Wilson pro staff, <laughs> uh, so you know the eye to detail uh, was was really really well done, and I got to say this, um, those two young actresses, um, I don't know how they did it, I don't know if it was digitally and superimposed or whatnot, but if those two young actresses can really hit the ball like that without <laughs> Getting casted for this role, I need to find out who those coaches are. <laughs> I, need, I need to know where they're at. Uh, I need to know what the regimen was. I want. I, I, I got questions, and I, I need answers. Because <laughs> to me, like that was actually those young actresses hitting that ball. Yeah. I, yeah. And again, I don't know if they put the ball in in post, but even the strokes, they had the strokes yes. up and down. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. The that Venus backhand. The te- yeah, the replication yeah. of the technique was amazing. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, let's be honest. There's been tennis movies before. Woody Allen had uh, Wimbledon. There was another match point. Uh-huh. I mean, tennis movies tend to suck. Mm-hmm. You know, right. As far as like, if you know what tennis actually looks like. Right. So right. There'll be there'll be a whole lot of they'll get you know a real tight up close up shot while while the you know the the point is supposed to be happening so you can't see that the person actually can't play. So usually it just sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, I don't know if it was some type of um, of uh, Forrest Gump. They they put they they just say <laughs> the ball and after. <laughs> but again, the strokes they they were so on. So to me, that deserves some type of award. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I give them both the Oscar right now. <laughs> yes, that's a whole different level of acting when you can do that when you can mimic. The strokes of the person who you're portraying on screen, that, yep. that's, that's something else. Um, I, in the promo, in the trailer, I really was a little concerned about John Berenthal's portrayal of Rick Macy. Uh, because oh. if you, if, even if you just hop on YouTube and just w- Google him and you see him giving a lesson, you see that man's got a lot of energy. He got a, mm-hmm. lot, of, a lot of nervous tics. You know, yes. he, <laughs> he's full on. I really didn't see that in the trailer. But at least they, um, John Barenthal did bring that to life. Um, mm-hmm. so, yes. so I was happy. Uh, here's where I, I do get a little bit uh, saddened. One of the reasons why I'm te- typically not a big fan of biopics, and I don't watch them a lot. Um, this one I was definitely going to watch because of the subject matter, because of the people involved, and, and because I thought it was important to see. I, I think that it's so hard to take, to encapsulate all that time into you know two and a half hours and really get right. of what that was all like because 
you know, to see, all right, Richard Williams call Rick, Rick Macy, you know, his, his country club, you know, 10 times and he gets on the phone. The next scene is he's getting, he's coming off of a flight into a taxi cab into Compton. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's quite that easy. <laughs> now I understand that because the story has to be told in a, in a, a certain way to get it as much in as possible. I, I get it, but I, I don't want it to be, you know, misunderstood that it was that easy of just like, okay, getting in, in front of Vic Braden like that, um, you know, getting, you know, uh, onto a court with, uh, you know, in front of John McEnroe and Pete Sampras. And actually it didn't happen exactly like that in real life, but, you know, I understand for, for dramatic purposes, but none yeah. of that was easy, especially not at that time. It was such a trailblazing thing. And let's be honest, um, Richard Williams, uh, how can I put this? Especially at that time before there was a Richard Williams. Today wouldn't necessarily seem so outlandish or whatnot. But before that, to have Richard Williams, you know, in the Richard Williams way, come and try to to to, to get these things that he was trying to get, probably seemed crazy. I wouldn't be surprised if they called the cops. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. So in, in a way, it just like, I understand why they had to do it, but I'm like, it wasn't that easy. Like, please don't anybody don't think it was that easy. It was not that easy to get Rick Macy to take a look at these girls, you know, and and don't and please, like, to my knowledge, I don't think he just hopped on a plane and took a taxi cab to Compton. And no, no, no I didn't. Uh-uh, I down. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. It, it was it was not that easy. Yeah. But again, I understand why the story has to be told in in a dramatic fashion in that way because of it being a movie. But um, yeah, again, like none of this was easy, not any one bit of it. And you know, it's it's kind of like just scratching the surface, just scratching the surface. And and you know, for whatever we all saw, please just know it was like a hundred times harder. Mm-hmm. It was right. a hundred times harder. Like it, it was none of it was was a cakewalk. None of it was just that easy. I mean, and listen, just what they had to go through as a family, like, you know, this was, this was nothing easy, you know, and not in the least bit, not, I mean, getting rackets, getting the balls, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was all, it was all tough. It was all tough, but, you know, I'm glad the story was told. I know some, some people were like, oh, well, you know, th- their story's not done yet. Why'd they do the movie now? Because we needed to get done for Richard. That's why. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, we're gonna go ahead. I'm just gonna say to um just to finish that thought, I, I think Will did an amazing job. I think he did a fantastic, you know, a, a, such a great um uh, character characterization of Richard and his mannerisms, even the way that his head was forward just a little slightly. Um, the you know, even like the way that his hair was done a little bit. Uh, a lot of that was was really spot on. So um, big kudos to to Will and uh, and to Venus and Serena. Uh, you know, I love the fact that they were so involved and and uh, and really turned out a really great picture. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fully admit I was one of those people when I first heard that Will Smith was gonna be playing Richard Williams. I was like, oh, I don't know, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking like Idris Elba. You right, know, right. I'm thinking somebody that looks maybe a little more like him, but that's, I'm that's telling, like, dark skin. You 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 was you was mad at the light skin. <laughs> right, right. You know, they get they get everything. So right. I, I was like, 
but what this did for me, and I've already kind of been in the spot with Will Smith, it just reaffirmed for me the guy is a very good actor. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, you know, when we saw him back in the day on Fresh Prince, <laughs> you know, he, he's come who, a long way. Who would have thought, right? All right. Well, and, well, I also, and I also want to quickly give a shout out to Anjanou Ellis Ooh. because I think she embodied the spirit of Orthene mm-hmm. to the yeah. T. Yeah. Yeah. Strong, strong. But I do have to back you up for a second. I just want to remind the listeners, um, if you have not had to, had the chance to see Will's first movie, Six Degrees of Separation, I highly, mm-hmm. highly recommend it. I yes. still say it is definitely one of his, for me, one of his top three performances, even though Absolutely. it was just an amazing, amazing portrayal um, that early on in his career. Wow. Wow. Well, you know what? You are, you're like a dangerous guest for us because you're the kind of guy <laughs> that we can just sit here and, and talk to all night long uh, because it, it feels like family. It's just, it, it's the vibe. It's, it's, it's all there. Exactly. Um, so, but before we get out of here, we wanted to turn it back over to you and just say, like, is there anything that you wanted to say to our listeners? Do you have anything that's going to be popping off in this next year that, that we should be looking forward to or anything you wanted to put out there? You know, honestly, um, nothing has been formulating as a, <clears throat> at the moment. Uh, I, de- I definitely hope all three of us and, and many more will be back at the U.S. Open in, in uh Late, uh, hold on, what, what, what month? Uh, August, sorry. <laughs> now, bump that. We're gonna see you. We're gonna see you in DC. DC. And, and and hopefully Miami as well. Hopefully Miami. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, no, nothing is on the, on the schedule just yet. But I know a lot of people have been waiting for to get into the new year to, for things to start to formulate. But really, all I would want to say is again, congratulations to you guys. Thank you for doing what you're doing, and thank you to the listeners who support you guys because it's such an important. Uh, job that you guys are doing because again I think that many of us didn't have you know platforms or, or people to listen to like Brothers on Tennis uh, when we were first learning the game or even as we we grew to love it um, afterwards and I think it's it's so important and I respect what you guys are doing because you're doing it on your own my platform is ESPN and they could be like okay DJ Mad Links we think we're going in a different direction and then that's that but what you guys have built uh, is is it's yours, and I, I totally respect that, and I'm thankful and, and humbled that you guys decided to share that with me tonight. And I, I'm just hoping that that you guys continue to grow and grow and grow uh, into into the next year and beyond. Uh, I mean, keep it going, man. You guys are amazing. Uh, bruh, we thank you so very much for that. And 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 like I said, bro, we we wish nothing but success, blessings everything for you my man because you're a good you're a good brother and that that i think is what we are impressed with the most is the fact that again meeting you on the grounds of the u.s open and just being able to talk the talk about tennis and just seeing that genuineness in you is just uh like i said you 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 are a brother you are one of our brothers well thank that that feeling so, people, right here, this is DJ Madlinx, you know, the man, um, and we are so thankful for him having been on our show tonight, and we plan to have him on again at some point, because that's how we're going to do. Um, we can't wait to see him 
you know, on site at several tournaments in 2022. So you have not seen the end of Brothers on Tennis and DJ Mad Links. So uh, I'm, I'm happy. To hear and, and lastly, I just want to say I, I want to apologize to the listeners because um, I've been rambling on so long. So if you have made it this far into this podcast, <laughs> I can I apologize that I've kept you listening this long. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Go do it. Hey, when we when we were hollering at Prakash, we got to going so bad. We said, you know what? We have to break this up into two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes with certain people, you just get, you know, Prakash is that kind of brother too, right? You can just sit there and talk to him all night. Oh. So uh, <laughs> Prakash is amazing. We I had the privilege of hosting the city open with him. Uh, this past year, and I mean, you can't not ask for just a, a more beautiful, genuine soul, and he's right. just great. He he really is. Absolutely. So, well, thank you so much for spending time with us tonight. Listeners, hey, we promised you and we told you we we're going to bring new and exciting interviews to the end of this year and going into next year. This is just one of several to come down the pipe, so keep rocking with us. We are definitely going to keep it going. Uh, so on behalf of the podcast, this was DJ Madlinks. This is your boy Bryce. And this is your boy Isaac. And we are Brothers on Tennis. Everybody, stay safe out there. <laughs>